0: If it could have been him not because, you know, once he breaks out the hee, you know, the little his little Michael Jackson voice, it makes them a lot less intimidating. Oh, but yeah. you just have uh, Michael
1: Ironside dub him. Radio Welcome to a very Corvus episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Canadian Monkey Man himself, the Peter.
2: Always be Corvusing.
1: Corvusing, yes. Corvusing. Not cor- not COVID. Corvus. Corvused. Not the same thing. Also, the Cecil himself. There is only one, the Trachtenberg can't rain all the time you guys want a little something for your quarantine here you go to adamandeve.com so you go to adamandeve.com use the promo code drome d-r-o-m-e and you will get 50 percent off of a single item three free dvds a free sex swing and free u.s shipping all for using the promo code drome at adamandeve.com if you're going to look for some of these movies, they're all on, on Amazon Prime, but you got to pay for them. So if you don't want to do that, you use NordVPN. Go to 1201beyond.com backslash dromevpn. Then you'll be able to get Nord service. And if you use our link, you'll be able to get 75% off of a three-year plan. That's only $3.79 a month for Nord's protection to get you around region coding, to protect your data, to encode your data, to allow you to do the things you shouldn't be doing on the internet. 1201beyond.com backslash drome vpn so all that said i mentioned the corvus thing we're going to be doing a crow retrospective tonight a lot of people know the crow franchise a lot of people seem to forget that there are movies after part two and that there was a tv series and rob zombie was involved with stuff and it's kind of a nuts franchise when you think about it as a franchise When you think of The Crow, what images come into your head? Dark atmosphere, Mm -hmm. raininess, revenge, love, tragedy.
2: Yes, a a very, almost very noir. I guess you you could maybe call Crow neo-noir, possibly, because there is a lot of color in that first film. And and the the comics were very noir themselves, very black and white, very moody. And of course, in, in terms of the actual embodiment of the character coming to life for a film. I've always seen uh, Brandon Lee as that. I-, I always thought he was just absolutely brilliant in the first film, as far as the, <laughs> the other the other movies in the franchise, I guess I've uh, maybe maybe tried to sort of block them out of my memory over the years. But um, watching them again over the course of this weekend, they're not quite as bad as I remember. But for me, it's it's always gonna be it's always gonna be Brandon Lee. That's gonna be the physical embodiment of Eric Draven of the of the Crow character. I just I just thought he was so good and so perfect in that first film, and really like it, it was pretty much the comic book panel come to life in terms of casting him. Like he was just perfect.
0: I think that, you know, I agree with Peter and pretty much everybody on this. Brandon Lee was really the embodiment of it and the tragedy of it. Is that really was his breakout film That was the movie that made him a star But also the film that killed him It's an absolute tragedy Because I think that it it would have elevated him uh, You know, I mean, it it elevated him more or less To, like, godhood, so to speak That it was like that he's in this phenomenal film And it's it's the film that broke him To, like, the general public And it's also, you know, his last film It's the film that he died making
1: It makes you wonder if the studio had gotten their choice if christian slater would have been killed because christian slater was miramax's first choice for eric eric draven well yeah i wonder
2: if it was another actor playing the role would they have died too whatever would it have
1: been the same mistake i'm not trying to make a pun but i wonder if christian slater ever wonders if he dodged a bullet by passing on that role
0: well, there's a lot of times where you've, you've heard the the horror stories of, you know, somebody, they decide to not do something or whatever, and they, they don't die because of it. And I'm sure he probably considered that. It's got to be scary to think. But I do wonder, see, the thing with Brandon Lee was that he was so much more athletic. And, not, and Christian Slater at the time was in really great shape, but he wouldn't have been pulling off a lot of his own stunts in the same no, way no. that yeah, Brandon Lee exactly. did. Now, the other thing, too, was that the scene where he was killed was not a scene that really required a lot of stunt work. It was actually uh, a very it was just a it was just a gun. You know, he takes the shot and falls down and gets back up. So they were letting it go and he fell down and they're waiting and they, they cut and they're like, okay and they're they're going about their business. And then they noticed, oh, wait, Brandon's not getting up. It is very possible that uh, because it was a scene that didn't require a lot of stunt work, Christian Slater probably would have ended up falling to the same fate. I really do think we we lost uh, an amazing actor and and just from what I would gathered, just a really cool guy, too. Uh, It's a it's a real tragedy.
1: In a way, tragedy is built into this entire franchise. To go back to the comic books, James O'Barr, when he created the comic book, it was a way for him to deal with the tragedy of, I can't remember if it was his girlfriend or his fiance was killed in a car accident. He wrote the comic as a way to deal with his grief. Really, tragedy and grief are baked into this entire franchise, and of course, all the characters in all the movies have the exact same thing. This had a much rockier road to becoming a a screen legend film than you might think. Because at first, and you guys are going to swear I'm making this up, and I am not, Michael Jackson loved the comic books so much that he bought the rights for a while. He was going to play Eric Draven in a musical version of The Crow, a la essentially kind of a sequel to Moonwalker sort of thing. So we almost dodged Michael Jackson's The Crow. There's part of me that would have loved to have seen that for just to how
0: how bad it would have been. Like, it's the a spectacle sh- of it. The spectacle of it. And it's, it's weird because, like, I love The Crow. The Crow, the original, is one of my all time favorite movies. The possibility of there being a Michael Jackson's The Crow is just uh, is is amazing. Like, I, I who although, you know, who, I mean, I could see it because really, if you think about it, Michael Jackson has that look. And he was on you
1: know, the top of the freaking world in the early 90s.
0: Yeah, he had the long hair. I mean, putting Michael Jackson in the, uh, the mime makeup... It's not that far of a stretch. And the other thing, too, if they could have worked it so he didn't really talk very much, it would have made it a lot more uh, menacing. I mean, granted, being a musical, it would have been really corny if it could have been him not. Because, you know, once he breaks out the hee hee, you know, the little his little Michael Jackson voice, it makes him a lot less intimidating.
1: Oh, but you just have uh, Michael
0: Ironside dub him. Right. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. But uh, that would have been that would have been something I I can I can pretty much say there wouldn't have been sequels. But you can also see
1: Cecil why no studio would give Michael
0: the money for this. Well, it's amazing.
1: He at the time could have funded it himself. Yeah, but the first rule of Hollywood production is never use your own money. Always use someone else's money. While it's very accurate to the comic, it also changes a lot from the comic. Like Peter mentioned earlier, it's like the, the comic panels on screen. And in some scenes, it is shot for shot, word for word from the comic. Like Gideon's pawn yes. shop and that. But there are other things that are not in the comic that are in the, in the movie. There are things that are in the comic that are not in the movie, such as the Skull Cowboy. The Crow movie was more or less and I don't mean this as mean as it's gonna come out, was saved in editing. I'm not saying with Brandon Lee's death, let's leave that aside because that they had to do. But this movie was originally a train wreck. The early test screenings were horrendous. Scenes didn't work. They went on way too long. They ended up having to cut the entire Skull Cowboy character, which is from the comic. It was played by Michael Berryman in the movie. Implied that he was an old crow from Old West times. And the whole thing is, after Eric kills Skank... It's done, because it doesn't matter that Top Dollar ordered the apartment cleansed, Top Dollar didn't kill him. He wasn't involved in his death. So you're supposed to, after you've gotten your revenge, you return to the grave, and the Crow Power can then go to someone else. So the Skull Cowboy was this old, decrepit Skull Cowboy. He was sort of Eric's advisor telling him the rules, what was going on, and it was implied that he didn't give up his power and kept using it, so therefore he's been cursed to decay and walk the earth forever. And so, at the end, when Eric is going to save Sarah at the church, the Skull cowboy's warning him off, saying that this will damn him to hell. The plot beat was supposed to be that Eric is still choosing to damn himself to hell in order to save Sarah but then they've decided none of this is working. I showed you guys some of the footage. It it wasn't. Okay, on paper, it works. The Skull Cowboy does not work in this kind of film, does it?
2: Well, from the clips of it that I've seen, um, I'm kind of glad that it wasn't included in the finished cut because it does kind of make the movie drag a little bit. It didn't necessarily need that subplot for it. I think the what they ended up doing with the sort of POV of the crow flying flying around and the voiceover Uh, The voiceover exposition I thought was quite a bit better as as uh, cool as it is to see Michael Berryman as like the the skull cowboy thing. I, I do think what the movie ended up becoming is what it what it needed to be and what what made a lot more sense. I was lucky enough to talk to uh, James
0: O'Barr, the creator, uh, in the 90s about it, and he was really super cool. He was talking about how much, you know, how devastated he was because he had become friends with Brandon Lee over the course of this. How, in the comic, there was the, the crow was essentially the skull cowboy. So that was what they had changed. Originally, the crow was talking to Eric Draven and was kind of filling him in on the background of things. And essentially, there are things that work in comics that don't work when you transfer them to film. So instead of having a talking crow, they put in the Skull Cowboy and then in doing that they realized, okay, that's not working either and so that's when they switched to having some of the information given over voiceover or just kind of showing things. Audiences are a lot more intelligent than most studios will give them credit for by them kind of cutting out the Skull Cowboy and changing a lot of the exposition to voiceovers and whatnot. It helps the flow of the movie a lot better and It's kind of a shame because the cult Skull Cowboy did look cool but did slow the film down dramatically and I don't think it worked nearly as well as just kind of cutting to the chase and having things explained instead of having a character there that explains it and it really didn't need that additional character in the film.
1: It also made them require a lot of reshoots, though, because they had to not only get rid of all the Skull Cowboy footage, but then they had to get that same information out there in other ways. For instance, you'll notice at the end when Eric is rescuing Sarah in the church and they shoot the crow and that's how he becomes vulnerable, none of that was there originally. It was when he went into the church after the Skull Cowboy's warning, his powers started to fade. So you'll notice all the stuff with the crow and, and Top Dollar's sister in quotes, all of those are inserts. Shots. All those are their reshoots. This movie was totally saved in editing by getting rid of a lot of things, but also moving things around. There are some shots you can kind of tell that they do create continuity errors. When the film was not working, they moved some shots that were supposed to be later in the film to earlier in the film, and vice versa. You can tell, like, by the damage to Eric's jacket and to his shirt, the slashes and the bullet holes will change to he has to slash a couple of scenes before he gets the slash in his chest. And so forth So it creates Continuity errors But the film flows Way better I literally think This movie Was saved in editing If they had not Done the re-editing Again Leaving out Brandon Lee's death For the necessary editing I don't think This movie would have Been a hit I think the way They originally shot it And I don't know If that's because Alex Proyas Was relatively new to this That he didn't Shoot it right But there are So many moments Where when you find out What was changed around You say They saved this movie movie and editing
0: that happens with a lot of films they they get the construction together and then they realize okay
1: we need to add this
0: we need to change this this isn't working it's a normal procedure within films every film regardless of what people will tell you Every film requires reshoots. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's just, hey, we need to uh, we need to cut this scene or whatever. Or sometimes it's bad because you get an overzealous producer who wants to make a name for himself, so he goes in and meddles with things and ends up screwing up the procedure. But if you have a legitimate, normal, functioning movie you're going to have reshoots. So I think that uh, this is just another case of, yeah, I mean, the movie was saved in editing.
1: Yeah, we talked S- about that in our editing, the power of editing episode.
0: So yeah, so it's not, uh, you know, being being an editor myself, to, to think that uh, you can never discount the power of an editor and about how an editor
2: really can make or break a film. A, g- a good edit can make or break a film. The behind the scenes of it, if you look at the stories. And the I've seen set, the work for it too. Well, yeah, if, if you compare that the finished cut that we've seen to the work print cut to what the original script was, to the scenes that were deleted. I definitely think that The Crow is kind of, and if you want to look at it this way, it's it's sort of an accidental masterpiece in a way.
1: I agree with that. We said that about Jaws, and I, I think that also applies to The Crow here, the first Crow movie. And mm. that applies to the Weinsteins, because this is a Miramax film, so the Weinsteins have the rights. They were shocked. They didn't think this movie, especially after Brandon Lee's death, they did not think this was going to be huge they figured probably in that very cold shark sort of way in hollywood brandon lee's death will help the box office i don't think they could have expected the massive hit the crow was in 1994 it it's sort of weird to think about would say brandon lee didn't die and the film was the same cut that was released Would this film have still been an international blockbuster if Brandon Lee had been alive at the end of 1994? I'm not so sure. I actually think his death is what made this movie a hit. It it didn't make it a better movie, obviously. I'm not a ghoul. But I'm saying a bigger box office hit. I don't know. I mean, I I do
2: think there's probably people that didn't even know about it at the time. But there was so much Um... news coverage of
1: it that was like free publicity in a way.
2: I, I don't know I think it still would have I think it still would have done the same the same numbers just because it was such a uh, unique and impactful film especially for its time and definitely a very different kind of comic book film i I personally think it still would have done the same
0: it's so hard to to really know because uh, at the time it was so different and I think people were really looking for things that were different at the time we were going through the the um, independent, Uprising, where we started to have all these unique, interesting, new Hollywood two voices. We started having, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith and all these movies coming from places that no one really expected them to, to be huge. And they ended up being huge. So it's really tough to say. I do think that his death sadly helped the film because it was getting constant free publicity where they're talking about the film. And then, of course, you had a lot of morbid ghouls that wanted to go to see the movie. I remember
1: there were people that, uh, oh, you could tell the scene where he died in. It's like, "Eh, nah, that scene's not in the film. Alex Proyas was so shocked when brandon lee was killed he knew that like we had all seen it was actually broken on an hbo series called america undercover in the 80s the twilight zone tragedy you know actually seeing them getting their heads cut off and stuff he knew that that stuff would eventually leak out he literally had the scene where brandon lee is killed destroyed there are people out there who claim that they have copies of it they don't the scene physically does not exist anymore and that's what alex proyas wanted he didn't want this movie to be a hit on brandon lee's grave
0: that's very respectful uh that he would take you know because
1: it, it, it i mean all
0: it makes sense like why would you want that snuff film essentially to exist you i mean it wasn't his fault it was it was really it was it was a bad comedy of errors for lack of a better description. But at the same time, you do have to like I mean, I know James O'Bar was sad because in in essence his creation ended up killing his friend.
1: If there's one good thing that can come from Brandon Lee's death, it's brand new safety measures were instituted industry-wide to make sure this never happens again. So that's technically a good result. So this movie made a ton of money. The merchandising was all over the place. The comic books were selling like mad. Later there'd be a line of novels, but we're not up to that point yet. So Miramax just went, okay, we need a sequel, and we need a sequel now. People were like, um, but you know Brandon Lee's dead, right? We don't care, we don't care. In the comics, the crow brings up other people. It's not out of the realm of possibility that we just have another person become the crow. And hell, the skull cowboy himself was a different crow. I think the logic of the comics is can only ever be one Crow at a time, but there are lots of other Crows out there. They rushed into production a sequel, Crow City of Angels, had a slightly smaller budget than the first film. They got music video director Tony Pope to do it. Now, Tony Pope, visually, I think he was right for it. All he'd ever done up to this point and after, were music videos. He's never directed a single thing, not a music video, other than Crow City of Angels, which means he has a great visual eye. Crow City of Angels, and I know there's a lot of history about what was supposed to be shot, what was shot, what was cut. The movie is a complete disaster. It looks amazing. I love the production design, love the lighting, love the costuming. I think it looks fantastic. The great idea to jump 10 years into the future and and have Sarah as an adult. Now she's in Los Angeles a lot there's a lot of great ideas here but david goyer's script david goyer's a hack writer so no no shock that his script was terrible crow city of angels was a disaster despite what cecil's about to argue that it was not meant to be but my argument to you is going to be cecil even what it was meant to be would be better than what wound up on the screen but i still don't think it would have been that good
0: I spent a lot of time looking into the Crow: City of Angels, and because I was always befuddled by how the movie, when I saw it theatrically, it just it felt very disjointed. It felt like um, it felt like it. It just it didn't flow very well. And then when it came out on home video, there was the director's cut, which I come to find out was not the director's cut. Not even close. Not even close. It was the studio had recut the film and said that it was the director's cut when in actuality, the director had nothing to do with it. But that cut was better because it did fix some of the stuff, didn't make... It, it's, it didn't it's the make... same
1: thing with Johnny Mnemonic. The Japanese cut is a better cut of the film, but Robert Longo is on record. It is absolutely not a director's cut.
0: Yeah, it's not the director's cut. It's not what he originally presented. It fixed a lot of things, but it still was was broken and disjointed, and it wasn't the film that uh, Tim Pope had originally set out to do. There there were so many things that got screwed up on that. They shot the whole thing, and then you had the typical uh, Harvey Weinstein came in, said, cut 20 minutes out of the film it was too long and they wanted to change stuff and they they truncated it and the whole thing when he signed on i'll only do this movie if i can make it different i don't want to just do the crow story again so when he did that they were like well this isn't the crow and he's like yeah it is it's this version of the crow it's not the exact same thing as the first film so when they got pissed and they cut part of the movie and they said all right you know what we're going to reshoot the film force it to be essentially what the first movie was they made it they changed it into something that it wasn't supposed to be and then when it came out you had people that were pissed off that were like well the director said that he was making a film that wasn't going to be the first movie when in actuality it comes out and it's the first movie and he's like well that's because it's not the movie that i made and that really is what ended up hurting his career which is why that was his movie that he did that was his movie what he got off of music videos and then he wasn't getting hired again because they had screwed him over so bad So it's really the fault, again, of the studio screwing them over on that. I think that uh, it's a shame because the version that he made, uh, and I know, whatever, you don't like it, fine. But the version that he made was at least different and was unique and was good in its own way. And it would have been different instead of just being a retread of the first film, which was a
2: terrible idea by the studio. Not as bad as I remember. For some reason, I remember it having Edward Furlong. It did not. I don't think it's a terrible film. I don't even think it's the worst of the sequels. I actually quite enjoyed watching it. I guess it had just been so long since I'd seen it. Definitely nowhere near close the uh, first film, but I do think it's worth a watch.
1: I think this one, more than anything, had Harvey Weinstein's nasty little fingerprints all over it. That would also affect the future of the Crow franchise, because after this... After Crow City of Angels, it didn't tank at the box office, but it did not become the breakout hit that the first film was. So after this, they were in flux. This film never got made, but... They went to Rob Zombie. This is before House of a Thousand Corpses. This would have been his directorial debut. And he wrote a third Crow movie called The Crow 2037, A New Age of Gods and Monsters. I don't think he understood what The Crow was. He maybe had not read any of the comics because it's very dark. It's very Rob Zombie. It it starts in 2010. You got to remember this is written in the 90s. So it starts in the future of 2010. He wanted this satanic priest to be played by Christopher Lee A a young boy is killed who somehow grows up even though he's dead and brought back by the crow because his killers leave the planet... So he can't get revenge, so he has all the crow powers and starts using them for 27 years to be like the super bounty hunter while he's fighting these Satanists on Earth, which is all decrepit and there's no tragic love story. You just read this and you go, besides being really sloppily written, this is absolutely a first draft. It's like it's not, it's like a crow bad fan fiction when you read the script for (laughs) A New Age of Gods and Monsters. There are some cool ideas in here. The whole thing of your killers, you can't get to them, so you've got all these powers, what do you do with them? That's a neat idea. It so doesn't work, and the only reason, and remember, Harvey liked it. The only reason it wasn't done is because of all the future stuff, and Harvey said, this is just too expensive, so we're just going to do one based on Earth. I think they should make it into
2: like a comic book adaptation. I think that'd be pretty cool.
1: I would totally be on board with that as long as it were rewritten. This script is (laughs) sloppy, man. Super (laughs) sloppy.
0: Before we started recording, I was talking to you about this, and I'm going to bring it up here too. I could have sworn there was a Rob Zombie book came out around the early 2000s with, like, the Poppy Z. Bright book and all that. Like, I vividly remember seeing a Rob Zombie book. So, I mean, we've since gone and looked, and I can't find it, so I don't know. If if anybody out there remembers it or has it, let me know. But I could have sworn that there was a Rob Zombie Crow book. Now, talking about the movie itself, uh, well, the movie that could have been more so the script, there's a part of me that wishes that it did because that sounds so crazy that why not— it either would have been an amazing train wreck of a movie or <laughs> just an amazing, just awful train wreck altogether and it would have ground the, the
1: series to a halt back then you know
0: like at least it would have been a spectacular disaster instead of a mediocre disaster
1: well it never got made and so eventually as you pointed out there were a whole string of of crow no- uh, novels coming out original stories as well as the comic books were still going and they made a third crow film crow the crow salvation be heart no lorry. all he'd ever done was tv and that's all he'd do, do after this is this is his only feature film. The Crow Salvation had a budget about equal to City of Angels, and it was supposed to be theatrical. This was made theatrical. You can even tell when you watch it. You know, you guys know how you can tell when something's made to be direct-to-video and made to be theatrical. Even though this was direct-to-video, you can see that this was made as a theatrical film. This one's more Earth-based. It changes the mythology for absolutely no reason at all, which you can probably lay on Chip Johansson, you know, the man who screwed up Millennium and the X-Files. You can probably lay that onto his script. Instead of painting their faces, it kind of grows. The the whole crow makeup sort of grows onto your face. And in this one, it's about, well, didn't it,
0: no, he got, he got electrocuted. Yeah. He
1: got executed in the electric chair and then the crow makeup formed on his face. And you're like, well, that's dumb well no they peeled they had
0: a mask on and it it burned to his face and when they peeled it off that image was
1: like the scarring that was yeah left. it happened to be the crow makeup when the crow brings <laughs> him back that's stupid oh it's i'm not saying that it's good i'm just saying that's what it was this one he's an innocent man who's electrocuted in the in the he's executed in the electric chair for killing his girlfriend which was really done by corrupt fred ward who's the chief of police who has walton goggins and dale mitkoff as corrupt cops because why not? And then the dead woman's sister is cursed and dunced and this thing is full of this thing is full of stupidity. And we're not even to the fourth film yet. This film, because the whole thing about The Crow is you're there to get revenge, right? He kills, you guys just watched these the other night. He kills like three dozen innocent cops just doing their jobs. Chasing him down after he kills one of the corrupt cops. He just, he blows the helicopter out of the sky. He's killing cops left and right. The Crow is not about killing innocent people. I mean, yes, there is a group of corrupt cops. But he's just killing anything that stands in his way. And it's like, okay, Chip, I don't think you quite understood what The Crow was supposed to be about here, did you?
2: I think they were just trying to make a very over-the-top kind of action Crow movie. They were trying to make up for what was considered to be a disaster of the second film. And the third one, I... I enjoy it. I I do think it's a really fun movie. Uh, It obviously does go very off the reservation as far as the actual Crow lore tends to go, but as far as sequels go, it's not bad. It's just, it's a little bit misguided, but I do think it was a lot of fun to watch. I disagree with you
1: greatly. It's not the worst one, but It's up there.
0: I think it is a good-looking, obviously-not-cheap film that has a really who's-who of late 90s, early 2000s Oh, the cast,
1: the guest cast is amazing, isn't it? The cast is great. Oh,
0: God, you know, Jody Lynn O'Keefe, Kirsten Dunst, William Atherton, Dale Midkiff, uh, Walter Goggins, Goggins. Fred Ward. Fred Ward, Eric Mabius, who went, who was the in uh, the Resident Evil movies. It's it's really like it's something else. I think that they did go uh, bonkers with the Crow uh, mythos, and uh, they really needed to kind of hone it in. But altogether, I I enjoyed it. It's bad, but it's like it's not it's not. Bad. It's not good. It's not good. Bad. Entertaining. And I think that uh, maybe if this was something else, like if it wasn't the crow, if it was the the hawk, or so you know, if it was like using the crow mythos and going with that, it ends up kind of being more corny. But if this was just a guy coming back from the dead to get revenge and they didn't go into all the crow stuff, you know, like, like this, like you said, it's like, he's killing innocent cops. All right. If this was just a guy coming back from the dead to get revenge and they didn't have all that pre-existing lore, then you'd be like, all right, he's, you know, but with this, it's like, all right, yeah, the crow wouldn't be doing that. Like the crow goes out of his way to just kill the bad guys. He doesn't kill the innocents. And so that really does kind of hamper it. And it really does make you kind of wince as you're watching it. Go, "Uh, you wouldn't do that. Why
1: is he doing that? Also, we got to point out, this is a 2000 movie. There's one scene where I said, oh my God, fuck. Physics doesn't work like that. When he's in the sex club, and remember, this is two thousand, the internet, and he's watching a QuickTime video in real oh. time that's crystal <laughs> clear of the cop in the other room doing stuff, and you're going, no, 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 yeah, no, not, not yet, not, not, not two
0: thousand but... internet and a QuickTime. No, it would be real player, and it would be buffering. Yeah, it it also, um, now granted, I understand that The Crow was largely something that was hugely popular and hot topic, but I think The Crow Salvation is basically The Crow, hot topic, the movie.
1: Yeah, very much so. The fashion, the music. Rob Zombie has a song in it. Maybe that was his, okay, you didn't get to make your Crow movie, we'll use your song during a chase scene.
0: Yeah, Eric Mabius is the crow. looks like somebody you would see shopping at Hot Topic.
1: No, no, no. no. <laughs> we'll get to that. But the crow salvation didn't do so well on home video. And then, like I said, you have the series of novels at this point. The comics are still going strong. And so they decided, we're going to make another movie. This one, I don't have budget numbers on, because it's direct-to-video. But The Crow Wicked Prayer, which is based on the novel, The Crow Wicked Prayer. I've not read the novel for this one, so I don't know how close they are. But again, you've got a great cast. you got a director I really like, who I think totally screwed this up. You have Lance Mungia from Six-String Samurai Directing. He's got a cast of Edward Furlong, Dennis Hopper... Tara Reid, Danny Trejo, David Boreanaz. This movie is almost a parody of crow films. Everyone in this is brutally miscast. Edward Furlong, I like in the right role. I am not just crapping on the guy. He is brutally miscast as the crow in this one. Once he you you brought up you know Hot Topic. Once he puts on the crow makeup, he literally looks like a goth kid who just walked out of Hot Topic. He looks. I hate to say it pathetic as the crow. Also, he's a little, (laughs) he's starting to get pudgy at this point. You can, Oh, he wasn't pudgy. in He was pudgy. He is. This whole movie is a disaster. The script is just a mess. You haven't
2: seen him in the uh, night of the demons remake then.
1: The script is a complete disaster. You've got acting that's all over the place. you got Tara Reed, who can't act, going up against David Boreanaz, who, and this is going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, it's clear he doesn't want to be in this movie, but it's also clear he's having a ball because he is not even trying to act in this. Honestly... He's so brutally over the top, he's like, let's just screw
2: around! I think that that's a credit to him as an actor. I
1: honestly thought he was the best part of this movie. Except it clashes no other character, not even Dennis Hopper. When when you are more manic than Dennis Hopper in this movie. <laughs> Cuz no one else in this movie acts like that. He literally is acting like he's in a different film than the rest of the cast. Well I think in in Boreanaz's case
2: he didn't really have anything to lose like I'm pretty sure he was pretty successful in TV at this point I think he was already working on bones there wasn't really much for him to lose he just kind of showed up and he
1: and he just did his thing and the the movie makes no sense Danny Trejo is an is an Indian chieftain because okay Danny Trejo can <laughs> do that the movie is completely stupid. It rewrites the Crow mythos yet again. Seriously, I keep using the word stupid. This movie is stupid. It's a terrible script. This, more than anything, reads like a fan fiction film of a Crow movie. Maybe the novel's like that. As I said, I I haven't read the Wicked Prayer novel. But this movie is embarrassingly bad, and there's a reason more more people know this movie as a so bad it's good movie than an actual crow sequel the
2: performances in it were fun i liked for long i liked david boreanaz and this this might sound a bit f-ing insane but as far as the sequels go this is my personal favorite one
1: wow okay
0: back in i believe it was 2004 uh there was a website that uh, i used to frequent and they had they were talking about the crow and they had uh, had a leaked copy the uh score by uh, jamie christopherson i had downloaded it and thought it was just phenomenal i thought it was a really really amazing score it was there was a lot of talk about the sequel there you know they were showing pictures of david boreanaz who, as as peter had said was kind of fairly well known at the time yeah and angel
1: had just ended i think
0: angel had ended he was moving on to uh, bones it kind of was interesting and then it really I, I believe it news kind of dropped off and it was very quietly dumped onto home video and I had never seen it and so all I knew about it was that the, I thought the score was phenomenal and I still stand by that I think the score for the movie is is gorgeous if you can uh, you can probably hear it on YouTube now if you look it up I like the concept a lot of the, the four angels of the apocalypse or the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and yes uh, See Tito Ortiz as famine, like I see Kalista <laughs> Cal- Flockhart. I could see being famine,
1: well, but but <laughs> there's also the like I said, this feels like fan fiction because you've got the devil in it, and I don't mean like a demon. The devil is in this movie. Oh, and, it was fun. And you just and start like, going, why not? Why not have the devil in the in the in the fourth film? Like, come on, let's go for broke. This it. whole movie feels like fan fiction. They were going to do the TV series, The Crow: Stairway to Heaven. And oh,
2: probably the the best Crow material since the first movie. If, if we're if we're being honest, like Mark Dacascus was awesome y- as the Crow. Y-
1: yes and no. Okay, he was awesome. He it, okay, and I I don't mean this in a demeaning way. It's shocking how much he looks like Brandon Lee. I don't know if that factored yeah, that into. Really, when he's got the makeup on and everything with the long hair,
2: like, God, Looks. he really resembles him. Yeah, and I don't know if that's why he build. was cast or not. Mm. I
0: imagine so. I mean, because he is a dead ringer for lack of a better term. But I mean, when he's got the full crow makeup on and the hair and everything like you could put the two of them
1: side by side and have a really hard time trying to figure yeah. out who going. exactly. But I think he's the only really good thing about the show. No. Well, I really don't get why they didn't just
2: do uh, a sequel with him. Like it makes it makes no sense to me why we didn't have a Mark deCaskis Crow film. That would have been great.
1: Well, you got to remember, yeah. at, th- at this time the, the the first run, the second first run syndication boom had sort of pooped out, but there was still a big international market for shows like Highlander and well, yeah, Baywatch the, and things the, like that. The era of like Highlander, those shows are still these kind of shows are still giant. So the Crow. Stairway to Heaven, big problem it has is not Mark Dukaskis. He's actually the one saving grace of the show in, any, in any episode. One, it's very cheap. It's shot so flat. It's shot in <laughs> Vancouver or, or Toronto. I can't remember which one. Most but likely,
2: it... uh, more than likely Vancouver, I'm pretty sure. And now, At that time, like
1: every TV show was getting shot in Vancouver. This is basically Highlander the series a spinoff. And I, I I seriously mean that (laughs) that. it looks like Highlander, the series. He acts like, like Adrian Paul does in the series. It's got a lot of the same crew, a lot of the same guest cast from Highlander. And think about it. Eric Draven in this is an immortal who can only die in a very specific way, who goes from week (laughs) to week, running into other supernatural creatures who he can sense and they have battle. It's Highlander, the series after Highlander was canceled. It got more, they added witches, and they added more supernatural elements, and it just started to get really, really ridiculous. The only thing it did that I really liked was the pilot episode is a remake of the first movie, where Eric gets killed, he kills Skank and Funboy and Top Dollar and all that, and it's a, just a really pathetic remake, but they added one <laughs> element that I thought, okay, that was clever. Instead of having Eric and Shelly being killed in the apartment in flashbacks as we get in the first movie, we see Eric is getting ready to propose to Shelly and he's got a camcorder and he sets it down and they break in and then the camera pulls back and we see Top Dollar is watching the videotape of their rapes and murders. And I thought that was actually a really clever way to redo that.
2: That's pretty good. And it it makes it pretty dark too. That says, that's a good way to go around it.
1: But that's where the cleverness stopped. The show was a disaster. (laughs) I mean, it was great ratings. It actually got so great of ratings it would have justified if the if the first run syndication boom had been bigger. It would have justified a second season. And the show does end on a cliffhanger too. I was
2: watching it um, all the time when it was out. I I really liked it. One night I was home like flipping channels, and I had seen there. I was like, wait a minute. There's a, a crow
0: TV show and I popped on <laughs> and I vividly remember the episode. Eric Draven is an Indian. He gets killed. And I just remember he's he's like a person, you know, he's in you know normal, you know, he's, he's dressed up like an Indian or whatever. And he gets killed. And then all of a sudden he falls down and he pops out of the woods like in full crow gear. And, and I'm like. Oh this is amazing.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
1: in, in in this one also the crow makeup is not makeup. When he gets near something that where he needs to intervene or near another supernatural creature, the crow makeup appears on him like like Wonder Woman's costume when she spins he and stuff. He becomes it. Yeah. Right, it's ridiculous. It's Highlander of trend okay.
2: of so he doesn't put it on. He turns into it. It's like a transformation.
0: Right. He's like a superhero. Like, there were <laughs> scenes he's Eric Dra- Draven, you know, without the makeup and interacting with people. And then bad stuff is afoot. And poof, the, the crow makeup's on. It's hilarious. Like, it's it so is. Good. It's Highlander. Really, the way the, the, way the immortals Highlander. could
1: sense one another. This is Highlander. Oh, yeah. It It is. is.
0: It is hilarious. I think largely because of the fact that uh, Mark Koskos is so good. It's so ridiculous that I think that that's why it works, because it's by all points, it's bad. (laughs) <laughs> but it's there's something charming about it I liked that they included all that stuff they had witches and voodoo yes. and it just it it was like sure go
2: bonkers why not yeah they they pumped it full of as much like weird supernatural stuff and witches and all sorts of different ghouls and whatnot like I I really think even though the show had had some faults I do think it is the best live action crow property since the first film and a lot of it has to do with just how over the top it was. A lot of it has to do with how great Mark Dacascus was in the role. Like it's, it's a fun show. It really
1: is. Well, and, and technically this show would come between two and three for the movies. Cause this was 98. Mm. Even salvation and wicked prayer would come after this. And it's just sort of weird when you look at how ridiculous they saw the show was getting and they just said, you know what? That's the direction for the movies. Let's just so make they them ridiculous. That, uh,
2: the, the show was going to be, it was pretty much just a continuation of Draven.
1: Well, because it remakes the first movie. So it's yes, Draven. Yes. But, but there's also the fact that, and this may have been a, a very heavy, a heavy key into why the show was not picked up for a second season. Mark Dacascas hated it. This was a money job for him. He hated, he, and I'm using his word here, despised living in Canada. He, he hurt himself really bad mid-season doing a stunt that he said nearly crippled him. If it was like an inch over, he would have been paralyzed from the neck down. So oh, man. I think he was very, very sour on this show. And I think he was more than happy to not come back for a second oh, season of this. Oh, that sucks. But so, like I said, then you've got the the two movies, and I know we didn't go in chronological order, because the TV series is sort of the Forgotten, crow live action thing well it's out sort there. of an
2: extra it's it's an it's pretty much bonus features
1: the crow franchise as it stands right now and i'm just talking on film the comics are still going and the comics are getting stupid and weird too because like they recently much like
2: well really if we're being fair that's kind of what's happening to like all f***ing comics right now uh
1: they had a crossover with the x-files a few years ago where Mulder, oh, scully and the lone gunman were investigating the crow so what? no
2: <laughs> it, it, it,
1: it, I'm not. I'm not joking, Peter. That that's a oh, real God, thing that happened. That's so stupid. <laughs> Cecil, back me up. That really happened.
0: Strangely enough,
1: you know, it's uh, a weird thing. But so, yeah, the comics are getting ridiculous and they've been talking for years now. They want a remake, a remake, a remake, a remake. I'm not going representation or SJW here, but if they do a remake, I want a female crow. In the comics, there are female crows.
2: The mantle getting brought to this person and that person that are that are seeking revenge. So, it would kind of be cool to see somebody that isn't, like, an an Asian American male come back. <laughs> like, that's kind of what, what uh, the crow has mainly been as far as the most popular film as far as the tv show that is probably the most popular iteration after the first movie with uh mark Dacascus so it, it would be interesting to see someone else because like with with the three of us we're obviously bigger fans of this uh of this property past just the movies and stuff so we we i think we would be able to accept it. it's like oh okay it's a it's a chick now or it's or it's somebody else or it's this other person whereas I think the general audience will be like, What? It's not Eric Draven. This is you're just you're just gender swapping. So I think a lot of people will probably flip their shit like a bunch of idiots because they've probably only seen half of the Brandon Lee movie, but I, I would personally, I would like to see somebody else take up the mantle because in the comics, as you've stated, it's it's been a lot of people that have taken up the crow mantle. So, like, why not kind of go with what the comics did? But there is going to be a shitstorm of anti-SJW folk that go, it's a gender swapping! And it's like, oh, oh, God, the, the shitstorm just continues, doesn't it?
1: Except in a case like this, this isn't like how they're trying to make that Escape from New York remake where Snake Plissken is a black lesbian female and it's still Snake Plissken. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha! This is the crow. Like I said, there have been female crows. There's been black people as crows in the comics. This is in the mythology. And yeah, it hasn't always been. It hasn't always
2: been Eric Draven. He was just one of them. I would not
0: mind a female crow. I kind of had a problem with it, with that, as what I did with the female Doctor Who. If they would have done that way back in the time when uh, Neil Gaiman wanted to do it before it was done simply to uh, subvert expectations then i would have been like okay cool hey we got a female doctor that makes sense but yeah. now they're doing it simply because they're ticking boxes it's, it's not they're not doing a, it, it
2: seems to be a way to get a rise out of people nowadays
0: it's a way to get a rise out of people and it's a way to get cheap publicity because all you have to do is say hey we're gonna make a female 007 and then it's yeah. like how about
1: we're gonna make a female 007 doesn't that piss off you incels Make another movie. Don't make a remake. Make it a period piece. Make it like the Skull Cowboys story. Have a crow yes. in like Deadwood. I, yeah, I think not? that I would think a totally Western
2: work. pro would be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, do I- a a complete. Old Western rape revenge film. You know, you've got a female crow or something, and I okay, fine. I'd be on you. Or even have
2: her be a uh, be a First Nations woman, possibly. Or or yeah, or, or how gets about, raped how by about, a bunch of
1: cowboys and killed, comes back. Or, or, or how, how about cool. this? I'm going off the reservation here. Let's leave America. What about a feudal Japan samurai Ooh. crow? I think that would kick it. All of a sudden, you got Lady Snowblood with crow powers.
0: Holy shit. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. That's, I would be great. There's so many things you could do with it, but essentially, you know what's going to happen. They're going to basically do the exact same thing as the first movie with CGI, and it's not going to be Jason Momoa because he's oh long God. since moved on to project. He, he was you're brutally gonna get-
1: miscast to begin with. So where do you guys see the Crow franchise, whether a remake ever happens or not? Because I look at it as you had a, and I'm just talking on film here. I'm not talking the comics, the novels, or the video games or anything a great first movie that was an accidental classic, but it's a classic nonetheless. And the entire rest of the time has been playing catch up. It's they keep trying to capture that magic of the first movie and they just keep failing over and over and over and over again. I think this is a franchise that while a franchise potential is built into it should never have been a franchise.
2: I mean, I I agree. Uh, I don't think they really had in mind with the sequels uh, going into them, as as far as like what went down with the first film and how much of an accident that pretty much was, and what we talked about over the length of this episode is how much of an accidental classic it was due to editing. And they tried to make a franchise out of that, and basically tried to do carbon copies of it, and it really just didn't it didn't work out for the best. It didn't work out obviously the way that they that they wanted it to be. It's it's very hard to top Brandon Lee's performance, and it was very hard to do that not only with the movies but obviously with the show i do think that these sequels are worth watching but don't don't expect them to be as good as that first movie as much as i enjoy things that have come
0: from this i really think that uh it probably stood should have stayed at one because the first film is just perfect uh you know it was initially going to be perfect but it ended up being perfect and i think that at this point if they do end up with a remake i want them to go completely bonkers with it do the in space do the crow in in japan or something but we all know what's going to happen eventually they're going to force it through and it's just going to be a complete retelling of the first movie which we don't need you've already had that first version that was perfect and you've yes. already
1: remade that as the
2: pilot of the tv show too and you already
0: remade <laughs> that as the pilot of tv show and basically do use something else
2: aesthetic or, or tried to copy the aesthetic for like the sequels too like they they have basically been trying to redo the first Crow film for years.
0: Yeah, just do something else for crying out loud. Like I do, I really think either that or just leave it alone. Like don't right. you're you're never going to be able to to top the first one. And all you're going to do is just you're you're kind of I don't want to say pissing on the legacy, but it's like this guy died making this film. It's fine if you I understand it Hollywood is a business and you want to do another version of that, but do something else. You're not going to be able to to do the first one again.
1: I, I just, I hope this franchise stops being a franchise. I mean, l- let the comics just go batshit insane with their X-Files crossovers and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, the Crow can fight Wolverine, whatever. I'm always going to remember buying those original caliber issues back in the late 80s and then seeing the first movie in the theater and being disappointed seeing the second movie in the theater. I will always love that early stuff. And it just, to me, what what, what the Crow franchise is now, I don't even recognize it from... The 1994 movie. I don't. I don't recognize it at all. So on that note, if people want to find a crow carrying the soul of Peter Gogic, where could they do that? You can find me on
2: Twitter at Cinematica. No longer on Facebook, YouTube, The Cinematicus, and of course on 1201Beyond.com with other fine programming on Geek Juice Media, where I stream at times, and of
1: course at Cinematica. On patreon where can we find cecil being the top dollar of his own little club Hmm.
0: you'll see me with my i don't have the individual comics but i have the graphic novel signed by james obar the trade paperback
1: it's reprints it's not a graphic novel it's a trade paperback
0: the trade paperback whatevs
1: the trade paperback
0: at uh, goodbadflix.com as well as goodbadflix on youtube twitch twitter facebook and 1201beyond.com.
1: And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. I'm curious what people think of those sequels, especially because a lot of people haven't seen them. I've talked to so many people that just stopped after the second movie, so you should go check out the sequels and then get back to me. But until then, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.